Please turn to Psalm 119. I was reading Psalm 119 when two verses jumped out at me. You trust the Lord. I'm probably going to struggle with this a little bit, so y'all forgive me if I do. I stopped and I reflected on them. Before I knew it, I had read many verses and listened to several sermons related to these verses and had become so fixated with it that my excitement, comparatively speaking, for my original topic had waned and was replaced with these two verses. I hope I am being led by the Holy Spirit and not acting hastily based on my flesh and emotions. Anyway, please follow along with me as I read verses 59 and 60 of Psalm 119. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Now, can anyone in this room give me a one-word summary of what those two verses say? Nobody? Discipleship. Hmm. Repentance. 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 That is what I want to bring to you this morning, which goes along with discipleship. What I believe are the four major aspects of repentance are covered in these two verses. Thinking, number one. Number two, turning. Number three, keeping. And number four, urgency. You could, add, you could add acknowledgement and confession to this list. But if your thinking has led to turning, then it is assumed that you have acknowledged and confessed that you have sinned and perverted that which is right, and it profited you not. Yes. Job 33 and 20, verse 27. The concept of repentance is not difficult to understand. Right. It's a very simple principle, and not a lot of time is needed in explaining it. The problem with repentance is the doing it, the yes. doing of it. Yes. These four or six aspects of repentance, depending on how you want to look at it, are our responsibility. And that is what I want to focus on. But I must mention that God does obviously play a role, an important role in repentance. It is God who must grant repentance. Without that, you will neither desire nor be able to repent. However, if thinking on your ways caused you to conclude that you are disobeying God and the thought of displeasing Jehovah God brought sorrow and remorse and that sorrow, sorrow and remorse caused you to want to turn from your ways to God's ways, then let me assure you that he is granting you repentance. Yes, right. He has given you space or time to repent. Yes. He is being long-suffering and desires to grant you repentance. Right. You do not need to ask about it, pray about it, think about it. You simply need to believe it right. and do it. Yes. I mean, think about it. What do you believe is causing you to be convicted about your sins? Your flesh? Yes. It is enmity against God, not subject to the law of God, and cannot please God. Romans 8, 7 through 8. Strike one. The world? Come on. It does not know God, and it hates you. John 3, 1 and 13. The devil? Please. He is your adversary, desires your destruction, and is a liar. Right. John 8, 44 and 1 Peter 5 and 8. In fact, it is the devil telling you that you are not worthy of repentance. So strike three. You're out of excuses. There is only one being who will or can convict you about sin. And that's the Holy Spirit. Yes. Why did I waste time explaining the obvious? 
Because there are people, including me at times, who seem to want to come up with reasons why they are not worthy of repentance. They will say things like, yeah, I hear you, but you don't understand. I've already repented of that sin a hundred times, hundreds of times. Or you don't understand. You don't know what I've done. You've never done anything like what I've done. Or here's my go-to. This is my favorite. I am even a greater sinner than Paul because I sinned presumptuously. Paul was granted repentance, was granted mercy because he did it ignorantly. That's true. I can show that to you in the Bible, by the way. You know what I say to all of that? With all due respect, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Right. You know what God says to that? If you confess your sins, I am faithful and just Amen. to forgive you Amen. your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Yeah. Amen. You know what Jesus says? I was obedient even unto death. So where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. If you are convicted that you are offending the high king of heaven and this causes you sorrow, then rest assured that it is the Lord and he will grant repentance. If you will be like David and take the steps mentioned in verses 59 and 60, he will abundantly pardon, yes. renew in you a right spirit, yes. restore to you the joy of your salvation, and come in and sup with you. Yes. Believest thou this? That had nothing to do with the topic for the day, by the way. Well, you should believe it because it is in, it is in this book from cover to cover. I would be remiss if I did not remind us that the time or space for repentance is not endless. In Revelation 2, the false prophet and her followers at the church of Thyatira were given a space of time to repent. Those that neglected that space of time were cast into great tribulation. Then there is Proverbs 29.1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall be destroyed and that without remedy. Don't need much elaboration. Don't believe much elaboration is needed there. Time is not limitless. Right. <clears throat> now, let's quickly look at the four steps. Again, we do not need much time explaining what these verses mean. As I said, the problem is not understanding them. The problem is applying them. Yes. Making ourselves do them. Yes. Right. With that in mind, with that in mind, as we look at these verses, I want you to think about yourself. And I want you to use Nathan's sermon on the tongue last week as a gauge. Everybody that spoke last week did an excellent job. And if something they said will work better for you, then use it. I only picked Nathan because I believe his topic, in some way, very likely, hit everyone in this room to, to one degree or another. Right. So step one, I thought on my ways. Here David is thinking. He is considering something. What is he considering? His ways. His doings. In other words, he is doing some self-examination. Yes. He, he is examining his life in the light of God's word. Yes. More could be said, but for the purposes of this morning, I believe it would be overthinking it. This morning, if we're going to overthink something, then let's overthink this. If you were convicted, if I, if we were convicted about your tongue last week or anything else, 
How much consideration have you given it? In fact, you should have examined yourself, even if you weren't convicted, to make sure you weren't missing something. The concept is throughout the Bible. Paul tells us to examine ourselves before the Lord's Supper. Not doing so can be catastrophic. Paul also tells us to examine ourselves to see if we are even of the faith. He does not tell us how often to do it, but the seriousness of the topic seems to demand significant time and effort. David's worship leader, Asaph, seems to have done it quite often. Sorry, I told you I was nervous. Psalm 77, <clears throat> Psalm 77 in verse 6. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit maketh diligent search. Yes. If we examine the Psalms, it is obvious that David was constantly thinking on his ways. You know, I fear that many of us, me in the past, have a false idea of what repentance is. We think of it as a one-time dramatic conversion. True repentance is continual, is a continual life of daily thinking on your ways. Yes. Right. And when even the slightest offense is discovered, we must act. Earlier I mentioned those who feel they are too sinful or beyond repentance. But the other end of the spectrum believes they are okay and don't really need further repentance. They might say, I know I'm not perfect, but nobody is. It's true. I know I need to work on such and such, but we all make mistakes. That's true, too. Or they might say, we're just all sinners saved by grace. Well, bless your heart. You know, I, probably, I didn't write that down. I probably shouldn't have said it. But, and I don't, I don't wish to offend anyone, but I hate that saying. And you might be thinking after I just said that, well, Jerry, isn't that true? Isn't that a true statement? Isn't that biblical? Yes, absolutely. It is true. We are. We're all sinners saved by grace. But most of the time, when I hear somebody say that, they're not glorifying the one who saved them from their sin. Right. But they are trying to excuse their sinfulness. Amen. My point here. Is even if, generally speaking, you are living a godly, holy, righteous, obedient life, you should still constantly think on your ways. Yes. Right. And when even the slightest issue is revealed, take steps two, three, and four, which we'll get to momentarily, and remedy it. We should strive to be better. Nobody here has reached the level that Paul did, yet Paul was constantly reaching and pressing for more. Yes. Peter tells us to make our calling and election sure. He then lists seven things we are to add to our faith to ensure our election. He then tells us that those who lack these things are blind and have forgotten, has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Forgotten. I ask you now, do these things abound in you? Have you recently examined yourself in light of those seven things? Do you even know what those seven things are? Can you name them right now without much thought? How much do you, how much, self, how much self-examination do you do? Step two, and turn my feet unto thy testimonies. Much could be said about this, but again, let's not overthink it. Remember, my goal today is not to teach you anything new, but to convict you to act on what you already know. Right. To turn one's feet, watch closely, is going, 
is to turn one's feet is to be going one way and then turn and go another. Yes. No need to overthink that. You change directions. Didn't yes. need an engineering degree to figure that one out. But in all honesty, going much farther than that, elaborating much more, would be overthinking it. However, though simple, this turning is not random. David had a very specific target he was aiming for. Yes. God's testimonies, his word, yes. his commandments. You turn from your ways and the world's ways to his ways. Again, very simple. Didn't need to search any commentaries this morning, last night, to figure that one out. David not only turned toward a specific target, but he also had perfect assurance that once he hit his target, success would follow. Right. Psalms 119, verses 1 and 2. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and seek him with their whole heart. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. Right. God wants to pardon you, and he wants to do it abundantly. Remember, judgment against his people is a strange work. Isaiah 28 and verse 21. And God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Right. Psalms 35 and verse 27. He is simply waiting patiently, but not endlessly, for us to stop being foolish. Yeah. I asked earlier if those convicted about their tongue had thought on it this week. If you haven't, and you're not ready for steps two and three, but you should still listen because you may, peradventure, be convicted again and get another opportunity. Maybe. Who knows? You're not promised it. However, if you have thought on your ways, I have a follow-up question. What have you done about it? When I say y'all, I keep saying you, but understand that I'm doing this because I need it more than you do. What have you done about it? If your answer is nothing, well, let me introduce you to a man named Lot, who's righteous, this man of God, this righteous, elect child of God, his soul was vexed, yet he did not turn from his wickedness. In fact, he pitched his tent towards Sodom and eventually found himself overcome and destroyed. Proverbs 29.1, again, he that is often reproved hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. He found himself a widow. He found himself a widowed, broke, homeless, drunk, who had lost most of his family, friends, and all his belongings. He was left with only two perverted daughters who took advantage of his drunkenness to serve their own selfish desires and further destroy his life and any reputation he may have still had. If you have confessed your sins... Admit it that your ways were wrong and God's are right and turn your feet towards God's testimonies, then let me introduce you to another man named Job. He lost everything and eventually questioned and challenged God concerning this. But upon receiving godly correction from a wise young man and the Lord God himself, he humbled himself and turned his feet towards God's testimonies and received double Everything he had had. With these two examples, I set before you this morning life and death, blessing and cursing. And in this case, the choice is yours. Steps three and four go together, so we will combine them. 
I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Once David realized what he needed to do, he not only turned towards God's testimonies, but the keeping of them became priority number one in his life. He had a sense of urgency about it. Yes. He realized that he needed to he realized what he needed to do, and nothing was going to get in his way. Nothing was going to slow him down. He did not defer to a later time. He did not wait for a convenient season. He did not feel sorry for himself. He did not attempt to make excuses or justify his sin. He did not get angry with the messenger. He acted, and he acted immediately. He was going to keep God's commandments. He was going to continue in them, and he was going to keep them with his whole heart, as other verses in this chapter tell us. So I ask you, I ask myself, if you were convicted about the tongue last week, how much of a priority have you made it? Right. How desperate have you been in assuring that you keep his commandments? How much effort have you applied to make sure that your tongue is ruled? Or whatever else it may be that you're thinking about. Have you acted with haste, zeal, and purpose? Or are you waiting for a convenient season? Are you still pondering the situation? Are you halting between two opinions? Are you still justifying and excusing your sins? True repentance is not a one-time act. It is a lifestyle that purposes to continually walk in a way that pleases God. You might be saying right now, Jerry, are you telling me that if I truly repent of something, I will never do that sin again? No, it's not what I'm saying. We all know better than that. I'm telling you that true repentance, true repentance, will cause you to quickly acknowledge that sin, confess the fallacy of it, and seriously examine, self-examine, what caused you to revert back to that thing that you hate. It is a life, if that is a lifestyle, you will get to the point where temptation, where the temptation is not as strong, and you can be victorious on a consistent level. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. But you must resist. Right. In regards to that, I do want to say one last thing before I close. True repentance is usually a violent and bloody affair. I probably should say always. Something often has, I want you to think about these words. What it, if you was to do it literally, I want you to think about them. Something often has to be plucked out, cut off, or crucified. Yes. It involves sacrifice, resistance, wrestling, fighting, and warfare. Too often, I fear, we do not really hate those, those things that hinder our walk with God. Really hate them. We might dislike it. We might know it's wrong. We might consider it a nuisance and occasionally avoid it. We might smack it around a little bit, you know, spank it every once in a while, put it in time out and say bad sin, but we don't truly hate it often. If we did, if we did, we would take a stone, we would run towards it, 
with all the might we could muster, all the force we could muster, we would put a stone between its eyes. And just to be safe, we'd pull out a sword and cut off its ugly head. Right. That's true repentance. Someone might say, has anybody said this? I have. Someone may say, in all honesty and sincerity, they'll be as serious and honest as they know how to be because they're truly disturbed by it. Jerry, I have a real problem in such and such an area. I have thought of my ways, and I despise myself for what I do. I acknowledge that I am sinning against my Lord, and it crushes me. I have confessed. I have begged the Lord to help me. And I have with all sincerity purposed in my heart to never do it again. But I continue to fail. I have an answer for you. And trust me, I know what you're saying. Been there. Been there. And I'm not talking about 10 years ago in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm talking about much, much more recent than that. The answer, though, is quite simple. There's something you're hanging on to. It's that simple. You can do it. If you, if you get violent, but you're hanging on to something. There is some area. Oh, sorry. There is something you haven't killed, plucked out, or cut off. There is some area where you are still giving place to the devil, and he doesn't need much. So what should you do? Consider your ways. Ask others if they see something you might be missing. And ask God to search you and show you what you might not see. Once you discover the problem, get violent. Get bloody. I mean, get mad dog, crazy, bloody, violent. Start cutting off and plucking out and killing and do it immediately. Urgency. Make haste. Delay not. Do not wait. Do not hesitate. Make haste and run towards that giant that is ruining your life and blaspheming your God and cut off his ugly blasphemous head. Yes, right. Repentance is a precious and beautiful gift given us by a holy and just God. We need it. It is simple to understand, and its positive effects are sure. God greatly desires to give it and give it abundantly. We simply have to take the steps mentioned in verses 59 and 60. Yes. However, not, <clears throat> not taking heed to how you hear this day, examining yourself, turning toward God, and keeping his commandments with purpose, zeal, and haste will bring upon you the wrath of God, the wrath of a holy God, and that without remedy. I have set before you this morning life and death, blessing and cursing. What will you choose? Right. What will I choose? Right. 